Hello, and welcome to the 34th episode of the Queen Bee Book Club podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Cher. And we are your Queen Bees. So, I mean, we both just returned from visits home. How was yours? It it was a delight. It really was great. Um, We spent a little bit of time in Tahoe. I started my internship, which I love and never want to leave. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, Yeah, I mean, it just, it's been great. How was yours? It was great. It, um, upstate New York summer is a very nice intoxicating thing. Everything's just Mm. like very green and it's like pretty temperate. Like when I was home, it was actually quite cool. Like it was probably like between 70 and 75 degrees the whole time I was there. There were a couple of days that were a little bit hot, but it was just like, everything was very green and it was pretty sunny for the most part. And it just like, Upstate New York summer, like, really tricks you into thinking, like, oh, what an idyllic place to live. And then you forget completely about how awful the winter is and the fact that winter ended probably, like, a month and a half ago. But, like, because... Oh, really? Well, I mean, I think my dad said it snowed, like, in the beginning of May. Oh, yikes. Which is awful. Um... But it's like, I was just sitting out on my parents' porch, like in this like perfect weather, enjoying the sun and like my book. And I was like, wow, this is really, maybe I could live in upstate New York. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is how they get you. I'm very nervous about my, like, it's not my first Boston winter Mm because I did all of underground Boston, but it is my first Boston winter with a car. Oh yeah. That's terrible. and then I'm very nervous about like digging it out and mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah, that's no good. I also am frankly afraid of driving in Boston at the best of times, mm-hmm. like let alone the worst of times. Yeah, in the snow and stuff. My dad, like I told my dad that you had moved and then like midway through my visit, it seemed to occur to him that that might have consequences for his beloved podcast. Oh no. And so like literally like just randomly he was like walking by me in the hall and he was like, so if she moved, does that mean you guys don't do the, the recording anymore? And I was like, no dad, we record remotely on our computers. And he's like, oh, okay, good, 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 good. It's like, don't worry. Love. Thank God. Yeah. You're also um, very much in his approval because you were going to law school. Like he has repeatedly told me to do. well i mean i'm sure that boston college would love to have (laughs) um yeah i'm really after doing this internship for three days Mm -hmm. i'm completely affirmed in my decision that i'm doing the right thing that's great yeah that's i mean that's all we can ask for i was in the great situation of seeing people that I like knew from growing up and having to be like, Oh yeah. So, you know, not working, but on the hunt, which is never like the best feeling in the world. Like I went into my dentist's office, like with every intention of lying and saying that I still had a job and then somehow messed it up. I like accidentally revealed the truth. I was like, damn it. I had every intention of lying to this dental hygienist. And it just, it didn't go well. But my dentist was a little more concerned with the fact that I'm not getting married anytime soon than my job, so. Well, 
I keep getting the response from people of like, why are you going to school in Boston? And then I keep having to like, Oh, because they know that you want to practice law in California eventually, or just in general, they're like, why Boston? I think kind of both. I mean, and so then I have to say like, Oh, well, like my husband, his business is in Boston. And then that makes me feel like yuck. Yeah. But that's also like not a hundred percent the reason. Why. No. So, um, and also it's a bargain that I have struck so that I can spend the rest of my life in California. <laughs> so like actually it's like a very savvy yeah, and I think it's, calculated decision. Yeah, I think it's very smart. And I think like anytime that you have to explain your life and like the logic behind it and like what you're up to, it never like I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like it never comes out the way I want it to. Like I yes. was trying to explain to some of my former teachers, like basically like what I wanted for my career and things like that. And I just felt like it wasn't, I felt like I sounded very like listless or something where I was like, well, I don't really want to do that, but like, this seems okay. And I don't know. I just think like in my head, everything makes sense to some degree. But then I think when you have to externalize it, sometimes everybody's like, is she okay? Like, or does she have a plan at all? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's especially people who are, like, peripheral people. Yes. Who don't know you very well. well and, and so, like, you're like, no, listen, I'm successful. Yeah. <laughs> you don't understand. I'm going to be successful. Well, and it's also, like, I'm not going to take you through every moment of my decision-making process. Right. Or, like, of my life for the past however long it's been since we caught up. Right. Um. So if you're not if you feel like you've missed a few steps, it's because I'm giving you kind of a gist of right. my plan. Not that I have yeah. a plan. Well, I, I mean, mean, the plan have, is to like, you have some plan. get a job, but there's no like... And publish a book. That's, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, um, so I... I one of the highlights of my life mm-hmm. is that I really successfully delivered a prank onto my uncle. Oh, oh, the spy. Think, yeah. So or I've the one that you say like, is a spy. Yes. So the, the one I've been doing for like two years. Perfect. So basically like the background is, is last Christmas or no, two Christmases ago, um, one of my cousins had a new boyfriend mm-hmm. and my uncle seem to know all of this like background information and I being the sleuth that I am had already thoroughly Facebook stalked him so I'm like you're not getting this from Facebook like I already saw all of it Mm -hmm. like where are you getting this and so I'm like holy crap like he like has some kind of contacts that he (laughs) is using or some software or something because he like seemed to know where his home address was (laughs) and um anyway and so then the next day which was Christmas day I cornered him in the kitchen was like, mm-hmm. listen, like, are you a spy? And his response was just to wink at me. No. So I'm like, that is not a denial. Mm-mm. So Georgetown University Press publishes a bunch of spy books. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I sent him this book and got it signed by the authors and they wrote in it, we know you're one of us, confess now. <laughs> and then signed it. <laughs> And so 
I sent that to him from, I tried to do no address and they were like, no, like that will be marked for terrorism. And oh. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> um, then I guess I'll use like the company's address. So like he never said anything. And I'm like, if you're any kind of spy, you would know that I work there. And obviously I sent it. Mm -hmm. And obviously I've been accusing you of being a spy recently. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, like he has this email blog that he sends to, like he sends to a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And one of the former directors of the CIA emailed him and asked to be added to his list. Because it's like, it's not like, it's like a newsletter that you could sign up for. Like Mm -hmm. you have to email him directly to be added. And so, like, that happened around the same time that the first book was sent. And so my uncle's, like, getting really freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I, like, throughout the year kept sending them to him. So he's just, like, having paranoia Mm -hmm. about, like, people being after him. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's hilarious. And then very recently the blog was shut down. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, like when we were up at Lake Tahoe this weekend, he was like telling us this whole story. And then like a week ago, his cell phone had been hacked. And so like, he, or no, it was, been, it's, he hasn't had access to his cell phone for three weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So like, he's like, I like, I feel like somebody's after me, <laughs> like totally like tearing his hair out and stuff. <laughs> he's like, I'm getting these weird ass books in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, like, did you ever tell anyone that you were getting these? And he's like, no, like it's been really freaking me out. <laughs> and then did you admit finally that you I, gave him those? <laughs> yeah. So I finally said, "Listen, I can't k- take credit for any of the other stuff, but like I've been the one who's been sending you the books." <laughs> <laughs> what? And he that? was like so shocked. Really? <laughs> yes. Like, it, like he literally stared at me and was like, "No way, you're kidding me." I'm like, "Yes, hundred <laughs> percent." And he's like. <laughs> You got me good. So. That's crazy. Like, I want to put it on my LinkedIn profile as, like, master prankster. Yeah, exactly. Successfully ruined my uncle's life and got him put on the no-fly. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> I just think it was very coincidental that, like, my stuff happened at a great time. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was, like, I think he. That's almost, like, too big of a coincidence, though. Like, maybe he's playing you, like, shares on to me, and so now I have to, like, overcompensate. Well, no, the, th- the reason I think his email was shut down is because there's this new legislation in Europe that requires you to have a double opt-in. Like, I don't know if you've been receiving all those emails asking you to re-opt into stuff. Mm, I think so. Yeah. It-, it happened in, like, end of May, beginning of June. So, like... Based on the timing of it being shut down, like, I'm almost positive that that's the reason. Oh, like, I don't think it has anything to do with the content. Um, but it just happened to be, like, kind of a weird thing. And because he's, like, super old school, like, he wasn't doing it through MailChimp. Like, he literally had it in his, like, Outlook contact list. <laughs> and so my guess is that somebody marked it as spam and then that oh. caused it to be... Intriguing. Yeah. Well, there you go. That is a yeah. crown jewel for you, though, that he didn't know that you were the one sending him all those weird books. For two years. That's amazing. That, to me, is a very acceptable and great prank. 
where it's like really you're not inconveniencing anyone in any way or like right. doing anything that is in any way mean spirited. It's just like a no. funny, subtle, like messing with someone thing. Whereas yeah. I feel like a lot of pr- like any prank that involves like objects falling on someone or like them being scared like viscerally, like I don't enjoy that level of pranking at all. But like that, yeah. I think is a very well. I think it's a, a high brow prank, and, Thank you. and I respect it. Thank you. Yeah, so that's been like one of my more recent highlights. Yeah, well, that I mean that's great news. That's really. I feel like I had something I was going to tell you, and now I don't remember. So I'm just reveling in your success. Thank you. Yeah, I was, like, glowing the rest of the day. Oh, so. oh no, I remember. Um, I also – so, like, while I was home, I did – so, like, even though I have lived in the D.C. area now for almost four full years, mm-hmm. I have never gotten a primary care physician here nor a dentist. I always just go at the time. What about so Dr. Grace? Um, oh, well, I mean, like, that was, like, an emergency procedure. Okay. I haven't, like, followed up with him in any way, shape, or form. Um, (laughs) well, I like him. Yeah. It's just like, it's weird for me because it's like my dentist, my adult dentist, like he's known me my whole life and like Mm -hmm. is a family friend of my parents. And so it's like, it's weird to me to go to anyone else. Yeah. For the That's how I feel about getting my haircut. I only ever get it done when I'm at home. Right. And then, so, and, but then like my primary care physician has been my doctor since I was in the sixth grade. So it's also weird for me, like I have a gynecologist here and that's fine with me and I very much like her, but like the idea of getting like a regular doctor here, I'm like, nah, I'll just go to the minute clinic when I'm sick and <laughs> I don't, I don't have a primary care physician either. Well, I think like if you're going to the gynecologist, you don't really need one cause they kind of hit those. Cause when I went, um, she was like, well, I mean, everything seems to be fine, but I'm going to have you get a tetanus shot. And I was like, okay. And then the nurse comes in and she's like, she's like putting the antiseptic on my arm to do the shot. And like, as she's doing that, she goes, this is really going to hurt. Oh my God. What? She's like, maybe not right away, but in a couple of days, you're going to be very sore. Great. And then I had to get my blood drawn. And so I was like, oh, maybe do it in the right arm because I had a tetanus shot on the left. And then she goes, oh, that's going to hurt a lot in the next couple of days. Getting your blood drawn? No, Why? the tetanus shot. Oh. <laughs> and, and you know what? It didn't. I was fine. It didn't? No. I was not sore. I was, I, But even when she said it, I was just like, I bet it won't. Like, in my head. I obviously didn't you just challenge will, you her. You willed but. the soreness out of that <laughs> arm. Like, it's not going to happen for me. But thanks for the info. Also, she when she was doing, like, the preliminary, like, visit, it was like, okay, so, like, any new medications? And I was like, no. And she goes, okay, are you being mentally or physically abused at home? <laughs> and she didn't, standard. she didn't even look at me when she asked and, like, said it in such a, like, business-like way. And, like, luckily my answer is and honestly is no. Yeah. But I was like, what if it were yes? I would not have wanted to admit that to you in that moment. You were not creating a safe space for me, to be honest with you. And then I said, no, I'm not. And she said, great. <laughs> she was like, that's great. And like, kept typing. I was like, it is great. Thank you. 
Well, so before me and Brendan got married, we had to fill out this marriage, um, like, compatibility test. Mm-hmm. That the, like, I, th- I think technically it's administered by psychologists, but hmm. it's, like, Catholic leanings. Lean well, like definitely Catholic leaning because they have questions like, "Do you plan to raise your children in the Catholic faith?" Yeah, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But but then I would sneak in questions like, <laughs> "Are you not not being abused?" <laughs> what? <laughs> like if I just misread this yeah. very poorly worded question, <laughs> then I could have said yes, I was being abused. Yeah, but it's also like if I haven't reached out to anybody. That I know. Mm-hmm. Am I really going to fill it out on my marriage test? Yeah. Or, like, are you entering into this marriage willingly or are you being forced? <laughs> and, like, do you really think that if I was being forced that my future husband would let me fill out this scantron by myself? Yeah, seriously. Um, anyway, I just always thought that was weird. That is definitely atypical. Yeah. I've heard a bunch of people have to, like, have also done well, that yeah, and had similar Yeah, I guess atypical is probably, like, probably just strange, I guess. Is... It, it was just strange. Well, I think it's, like, they, they put in questions in those kind of questionnaires to, like, cover their bases. But I always do wonder, like, if you were genuinely in that situation, like, would you feel compelled to be honest? Because, like, first of all, it'd be so, it's so easy to lie. And second right. of all, it's, like, is that really the best forum for coming forward about something like that i mean i guess the ideal scenario would be that you fill that out and then the priest says like i don't think that this marriage is a good idea but then but it doesn't you reveal just why judge do it huh like it, well but then like wouldn't your abusive spouse just be like okay, we'll get married from a judge or like i'll have my idiot friend get like ordained online and I mean, I'm not yeah, trying to but give I mean, people at least... ideas, but. No, I know. Well, I mean, I think at least that red flags would be yeah. risen. I mean, like maybe maybe her family doesn't know what's going on and then they're sort of like, hmm. Yeah. I wonder why the priest would say no. Yeah. Intriguing. Although I don't, well, and priests can't. Maybe they would have to ask her permission to, like, intervene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because priests are kind of, like, they're supposed to keep everything you tell them in confidence. Well, if you say it in the confessional. Oh. I mean, like, I don't think that if you just, like, chat with a the priest, they can't repeat anything you say. But, like, yeah, if it's... Maybe in bad taste, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know that there are definitely gossipy priests. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could you not be? You know who I love is the priest in Broadchurch. Oh, my God. It took me a while to figure him out because I was very confused about why he was able to date. And then I remembered he was probably an Anglican priest. And oh, they yeah. See, I, I also thought that was a huge scandal, but it turns out, no. <laughs> I was like, why is he, like, giving lusty eyes to different women in the town? And then I was like, oh, right, 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 right. That is theoretically the faith that I was raised in. So I should have known that. But well, I was a hundred percent. I was a hundred percent convicted. He was the murderer, like mostly because he was a priest. Yeah, I thought that. Well, I and think like they little were boy like priests. 
Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> I think that they were like kind of pointing at him in order for us to like not be looking elsewhere. True. Um, speaking of excellent crime shows, mm-hmm. I've just recently finished two. Okay. I, f- I finally finished The Alienist. Okay. Which we, my mom, my sister, and I watched in one day. Like, oh we spent God. seven hours on the couch sure. watching that show. Um, overall review, like, the show itself is excellent. Mm-hmm. You will be disappointed by the ending. Oh, okay. Um, also, watch, finish the second season of Marcella. Okay. Holy crap, it is amazing but it is so dark yeah i i told you this last week but i've definitely been finding myself needing to take a step back from true crime and i think it's because it or was even like, fake crime yeah well yeah that's true basically like the genre of murder um Fair. i've had to well i think my favorite genre right so it was like i watched broad church and then we watched or we read um the stranger beside me which because of like our scheduling stuff and because it's a very long book, it did take us a long time. And then when I was home, I like watched pieces of the first season of True Detective with my dad. And he I like Brendan's been watching that. And he like repeatedly kept trying to send me out of the room because like my dad has seen that season of television probably like eight million times. But he's like, Audrey, I'm telling you, it's too creepy. You won't want to watch it. Um, the part that I hated about True Detective season one was when. Um, Woody Harrelson was cheating on his beautiful wife. Yeah, that's horrible. That's, like, that's the part that I was, like, I can't effing watch this anymore. Yeah. But it's definitely, like, it's not necessarily, like, it's not in the same vein, I think, as, like, Ted Bundy bothered me. But it's, like, in this weird, like, very creepy, like, hidden secrets of the South creepy. (laughs) That I think, like, literally, like, when they, in the last episode, when they arrive at that horrible house, my dad was just like, no, just turn around for the love of God. Like, don't go in there. Even though he's seen it several times. He's like, Audrey, this place is the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's, like, a habitual horror film watcher. And he was like, no, this, this truly bothers me. And I'm very grateful that I don't live in the American South because of this show. (laughs) Um, But, like, normally the stuff that is in True Detective would not really get under my skin or bother me. But I found myself, like, if I woke up in the middle of the night just for, like, whatever reason, I would, like, think about it instead of falling asleep. And so I was like, I probably need a bit of a break from murder because I think I've overdone it a little. That's very fair. I also did you see the first season of Marcella? No, I haven't watched it yet. But I like okay. it's on my list for when I get like that. Like it's like this very specific mood that will strike me that I'll be like, okay, and I'm gonna start a murder show. Like that's what happened with like Luther and Broadchurch have been on my list to watch for a very long time, but it was like never the right moment to watch them. Yeah. So here, here, here are the disclaimers I will say about Marcella. <laughs> so one thing I don't like about it is that I don't like it when the main character does something that is illegal. No, I don't like that either. And then has to be hiding it. No, I don't like that either. So I will say that that is... An element. An element. Um, 
That is so bizarre. Someone's calling you from Point Reyes. Like, no thanks. I know no one there. <laughs> um, the other thing, it it's so it's re- it does a very very good job. I would say even better than Broadchurch does of giving you like red herrings throughout the show. Oh okay. So like I like I think it's like very well plotted where like you are misled very strategically. Okay. And um so I, I really like shows like that where they like are constantly like pulling the rug out from under you. I um, do not like though when I feel like those red herrings are not fully resolved. Because I'm a person well, so I'm a person where like I almost can never figure out who the killer is. Like, I was shocked in Broadchurch season one, where I felt like there were no clues. <laughs> I, I did figure it out in Broadchurch season one. I also figured it out in Marcella season two. Or, no, I figured it out in Marcella season one. I did not figure it out in Marcella season two. Okay. Um, but, like, sometimes when they do introduce red herrings, when they're not, like, vetted and then, like, thrown out, like, sometimes I'm like, wait, but then what was that element? It almost feels like, like, I know that it's a red herring and it's just meant to, like, throw you off the scent. But when, like, I like in kind of the aftermath of solving it, when they have that moment of, like, and that weirdness was so-and-so, that was just nothing. And then everyone's like, yeah, that was nothing. Like, I like to have that, like, kind of reflection period where we kind of go over the elements of the case. And, like, because otherwise I'm like, well, then what was that? That was weird. So I would say Marcella does do that. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I would recommend it. I would just say, though, that especially season two is just, I mean, even for me, it was very, very dark. Jesus. It's it's not going to keep me up at night, but it's just, like, beyond creepy, creepy, creepy Mm. kind of, like, Yeah, it was just like, I think what it mainly was, was that it was really starting to get to me that there were, that there are actual people that do this kind of thing to other people. And like, there are like monsters among us and that we don't. There are. And like, I mean, different levels of monster, but still it's like, holy shit. Oh my God. Speaking of monsters among us. Um, the Golden State Killer, have you seen the article that they think that they have footage of him prowling in a <gasps> woman's wig, like, weeks before he was arrested? No. Google it. I, I like, they, they have not, like, it's not been confirmed at all that it was him, but they, like, in the Sacramento, or, like, 15 minutes away from his house, um, it's, like, definitely a man in a wig carrying, like, a black bowling bag. And I guess, like, apparently the Golden State Killer has used disguises before. Mm-hmm. Um, He's I also mostly... changed his MO a couple of times. So it wouldn't be out of range that he would start using a disguise. True. Although I also didn't realize that, like, so a lot of people claim that he is the Visalia Ransacker. And Paul Holes, like, 100% says that he is not the Visalia Ransacker. Really? Yeah. So that's like one thing to keep in mind. Interesting. Um, but yeah, you should Google the pictures. It will give you nightmares. It is very disturbing. <laughs> but also, like, especially since he's caught, you're like, mm. I don't. I, I. It also just I think 
potentially answers questions as to whether, like, did he really just stop? Mm-hmm. Or did he just get a lot better at, like, not leaving DNA behind? Yeah. God. Yeah. What a horrible man. Speaking of horrible men. Newland Archer. <laughs> Newland Archer. <laughs> who I will, I will say, um, he is not of, by the way, we're starting to talk about The Age this, of Innocence. Now we're in the book part. By the wonderful and talented Edith Wharton. So we finally gotten down to brass tacks. But so I will say, <laughs> Newland Archer to me is not as odious as Buddy Willard is. And I don't know if it's because generally like, the person who is kind of bringing us through the world of a book always just gets a little bit of like, yeah, this person's like maybe okay for me. Like to me, like Newland Archer is like an eye roll character where you're just like, like he, he, like I can guarantee you, I don't remember. And we're going to watch the Gossip Girl episode, The Age of Dissonance for the next time. But I can guarantee you that Nate Archibald played him. I think it was Dan. No, it has to be Nate Archibald. Because to me, he is like a Nate Archibald, where it's like, ultimately, like, he's kind of harmless, but he's just like, he's so privileged and pampered that you're just like, God, you're an eye roll of like a boring, dumb idiot. I mean, he is. Although I would say that I think that Nate Archibald is ultimately... A man of more integrity. That's true. And Newland Archer. He is like. Although he did, one he did cheat on Blair at, season one at the Shepherd wedding, but you know, <laughs> he also dates like teenagers by the end but, of the yeah. show. <laughs> but it's also it's interesting to me though, like just to talk about. I mean, I guess we should save this for next week. But it is interesting to me that Gossip Girl is clearly drawing upon Edith Wharton and the Age of Innocence in general. Because it has, like, that structure of, like, it girl with a scandalous past, like, comes back into town and, like, ensnares the hottie, like, young guy who's, like, supposed to be dating, like, the crown jewel of New York, which is Blair. Right. right. Um, so there, I think that there are definite structural similarities to season one of Gossip Girl and, like, what, or I'm noticing, like, some parallels. Like, obviously, there are, like, pretty big differences, but... Well, and I also think, actually, the... um, We're not reading House of Mirth, but I think that there are a lot of similarities between that book also Mm -hmm. of a woman of, like, a high social standing who falls in love with a man who, like, she, like, has a great, like, connection with, but who is just not of her social status, and Mm -hmm. so she, like, really just shouldn't be marrying him. Ooh. Very exciting. I'm, AKA Serena and Dan. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to reading House of Mirth because I think this book is like, I couldn't, like, I don't have any real notes on it because like, it's not to me like a very plot driven book. Which, it's a lot of subtle, subtle things. Yeah. Which is a lot of like, I think it's like definitely you can tell that Edith Wharton was probably influenced by Jane Austen and and Henry James, too. Yes. So it's like she's kind of reacting through these, like, this kind of, like, sociability and also something that's, like, not that event-driven, but is very much, like, rich people moving throughout their lives. And, like, you see, like, things slowly starting to build into problems. Yeah. Um, 
but I think it's a great, oddly enough, it's a great summer book because it's yeah, like, no, it definitely is. It was such an enjoyable book to sit on my parents' porch, um, with like the sun coming through the trees and just like enjoy her language. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't give a shit what's happening. I just like reading what she's writing. Um, and I'm not even sure that that much stuff is happening and I don't care. Yeah. So (laughs) I would a hundred percent agree with you. I just, I feel like I'm gossiping with a very smart old grandmother when I read it. That's what I, I really like books that are about, I don't want to just say like, I like books that are about rich people. (laughs) or like old books that are about rich people no like I will say I'm not a big Dickens fan but like please like Henry James Edith Wharton Jane Austen like yes give them to me but I really like the idea I think what I what I'm noticing also in Edith Wharton that is something I like about Jane Austen is she's like a woman who probably grew up with some amount of wealth but it's like she's she's totally wealthy yeah but is 100% smarter than she's supposed to be as a woman. Yep. And so it's just like, I love the idea of like the female authoress who's just noticing so much about what's going on around her and is just like picking it apart systematically. And like, I think that to me is like the ultimate form of being an author is that you're like noticing the world that you live in. And like, if you can write about it with some level of wit and humor, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, Edith also had just, like, a pretty sad um, life. I mean, in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways, I I went to her estate um, my senior year of college, which was a big highlight. I loved it. (laughs) We should say Um, that um, you are kind of the the resident Edith Wharton expert. Edith Wharton was the reason that I wanted to do my MA in English. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I want to be an Edith Wharton scholar. Well, it turns out there were no... 19th century American lit classes at Yorktown, so. <laughs> well, the one that you did take was not about Edith Wharton, so. No, there was no Edith Wharton. Um, but, um, basically, like, she was in a very loveless marriage with a man who was probably abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, she had no children. She had, like, a million small dogs. Mm-hmm. And she had this, like, very torrid emotional affair with this man who Henry James is suspected of also having a torrid affair with. Beautiful. Who is so, this man? I don't know. She – I used to know a lot more about this. I should, like, reread up on it. I have her letters, mm-hmm. which include some of the letters that she wrote to this man. But – um I just get the sense that she, like, very much understood what it meant to be in love, but Mm -hmm. based on her, like, social status and, like, her life, she got stuck in a life that she didn't like. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, like, very reflected in Age of Innocence, Mm -hmm. where, like, Newland Archer would be happy with Ellen Olenska, but the situation absolutely forbids it and Mm -hmm. he's just not enough of a rebel at heart to (laughs) actually pursue what he wants yeah i will say the biggest eye roll parts of the book are when he's like i guess women should be kind of equal 
Oh my god, I hate that. And you're like, you because he doesn't believe it. Actually, you're out of your element. The only time that he believes that is when it means that Ellen can leave her husband. Like yeah. he doesn't believe that in any relation to himself. Yeah. Like if if he had a wife who was sassing him, like he would not be thrilled. Yeah. Like this. Well, one character I would very much like to know more about is this poor Mae Welland, because I feel like she might have some more going on than we're you know, led okay. to believe. First of all, like, maybe we should just give, like, a very brief summary of what happened in this section of the book. Should I read, um, the back cover and then we can also say, like, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You read the back cover. All right. Winner of the 1921 Pulitzer Prize, The Age of Innocence is Edith Wharton's masterful portrait of desire and betrayal during the sumptuous golden age of old Hollywood, or... Old, old New York. I don't know why Hollywood, I added that Hollywood New in. York. At <laughs> <laughs> um, a time when society people dreaded scandal more than disease. This is Newland Archer's world as he prepares to marry the beautiful but conventional Mae Welland. But when the mysterious Countess Elena Alenska returns to New York after a disastrous marriage, Archer falls deeply in love with her. Torn between duty and passion, Archer struggles to make a decision that will either courageously define his life or mercilessly destroy it. So basically where we are in the book, Mm -hmm. um, Archer is in love with this woman, or quote unquote, in love with this woman, Mae Welland, who's just Mm -hmm. this kind of boring, mousy, like, but beautiful woman. Yeah. Um... She's like and, a New York good society good girl. Yes. And then her cousin swoops into town, Ellen Alenska, who I guess that they knew each other as children, New London, mm-hmm. Ellen. And like throughout this section, like it's just very obvious from like the first second that he's into her. Mm-hmm. But in order to like, like he deals with those feelings by further like, stamping down his marriage plans with May. So, yes. like, the day that she comes into town, he announces their engagement. And the reason he gives is so that, like, she'll Ellen will have two families supporting her. Right. Um, because she's just gone through a divorce with, from Well, she's like, not divorced from him. Okay, so she's just separated from her, like, abusive, Count? question mark? Well, that's husband. the thing. It's, like, it's not clear. It's, like... We're led to believe that he, that this count is like some sort of rakish, horrible figure. And I mean, like he's a count, so it's like, I buy it. Right. But it's also 19 something. So it's like. No, 18, like 90, I think. Oh, okay. And even better. So it's like, yeah, I buy that she was probably married to some European asshole. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah. Anyway, so. So everybody is sort of, like, she's a big scandalous figure because she's, you know, she's still married. She's wearing pretty low-cut dresses, <laughs> um, causing a scene. But, like, everyone's into her and obsessed with her. Yeah. But so Newland makes sure that she's, like, invited to stuff and included. Mm-hmm. And um, he, like, does all this under the guise of, like, well, I'm going to be marrying her cousin. So it behooves me to make sure that she, that this countess Olenska is accepted in the in in our world when really it's like because he's like she's pretty hot right well and so then he like does some like 
sketchy stuff. Like, he keeps selling her, sending her anonymous yellow roses, yeah. which is, like, Newland, like, I don't know how you're lying to yourself about that one. <laughs> it's um, like, maybe I should and, sign the card. No. Leave it And mysterious. he visits her alone. Yeah. And, like, is just obviously into her, but, like, continues to lie to himself about how into May he is. Mm-hmm. And now at this point, I'm just giving, like, you know, the short oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he has made out with her in her living room. Mm-hmm. And they, like, are potentially considering being together. Yeah. Meanwhile, though, he had been, like, pushing May to, like, get married next month <laughs> instead of having a year engagement, like, the planning requires. Right. Because the thing, too, is, like, they have to, like, they don't even hire anybody. Like, they, I think, are the ones who are doing all of the calligraphy mm-hmm. for this event. So it's a little bit tough to do it in a month. <laughs> um, so... He gets he he returns home and he has a telegram from May saying like yes let's let's do it let's get married in April. Mm-hmm. So now he's stuck. Yeah. Well, and he also was the one though. Like she, Countess Olenska, wanted to get divorced, and then so Newland Archer's law firm was the one that was going to like handle the proceedings, and Newland tells her not to get divorced because it could invite the whole scrutiny on the family. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, the count could then, like, just say, like, really salacious things about the countess. Right. So it's like, well, kind of shot yourself in the foot there. But, like, also May, like, kind of suspects that Newland Archer, like, has feelings for another woman because we find out that he had, like, this weird affair with a married lady, which I was also, I was like, also something that Nate Archibald does. He does that several times. (laughs) Nate Archibald loves a cougar and he loves a teenager. (laughs) Anything but his own age. Yes, exactly. Um, Well, one of the other interesting elements of this too, I think is the idea. I really like Edith Wharton's portrayal of New York city society as being like, very puritanical and like kind of boring (laughs) that everybody's super conservative it's like you know i don't know what those you know like slutty europeans are out doing but like we're staying inside and like being and like they're all like admittedly like we like that we're very boring people and that makes us happy and we're not trying to be you know european whereas like countess countess alenska like, very much represents, like, the idea that somebody from New York, like, went and experienced this, like, you know, European high life and then is now coming back to, like, stuffy New York. Like, what's going on here? Like, why can't I just do whatever I want and hang out with artists? So I have a quote. I actually <laughs> took notes this book oh, cool. for once in my life <laughs> um, that is sort of illustrative of what you're talking about. Okay. So... I don't remember, like, I think they're talking about some place, I don't know. Conservatives cherished it for being small and inconvenient and thus keeping out the quote-unquote new people New York was beginning to dread. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I think this book is 
is good because you can see like Newland's psychology so clearly throughout mm-hmm. the whole book. And you know that he's into her. And you also know exactly why he keeps trying to fast forward everything with May. Mm-hmm. When when I first read this book, I was a junior in college and I like my number one least favorite thing ever was adultery. Like I hated any <laughs> adultery plotline. And so I was like a staunch team May girl, <laughs> which like this time I'm like, wow, boring AF. Well, it's just like, we're not really afforded any opportunity to know May in any meaningful way. It's like, it's he, true. he follows her to Florida. Well, because apparently like her father, like because of his like allergies or like health or something, like spends winter in Florida. Um, and it's just like, I mean, we're just like not allowed to get to know her at all. Cause Archer's like, yeah, she's just like, but we're taught she's like the, the ultimate like New York prize. So that leads us to believe like, she's probably beautiful, but like kind of boring. Well, but I think she also is sort of surprising sometimes when she sort of confronts Newland mm-hmm. about potentially being in love with somebody else. And she's sort of like, listen, if you are, like, let's end this because, like, I don't want my happiness to be afforded at somebody else's expense. Yeah, and I think that's what makes me appreciate, I think if that element weren't there, I would be, I would not be team Edith Wharton because it would be like, I mean, like, this May girl has not done anything wrong, you know, like, and so it's, like, not about, like, I don't, I don't believe in championing, like, oh, but it's, like, about, like, the passion of two people. And, like, I don't think that's what Edith Morton... Oh, when Morton, you said Team Edith Morton, do you mean Team Ellen Alenska? I mean, I think I would be annoyed with the plotting or, like, what Edith Wharton is doing with the book. Oh, if I May see. weren't, like, an interesting and, like, sem- like, I'm intrigued to know more about her rather than being, like, wow, like... She's very boring, and I definitely see why Newland Archer is searching elsewhere, which I think would be unfair to Mae Welland, which is because it's like she's not really given any real opportunity and, like, is ultimately going to get very hurt by this affair. Well, and ultimately, I think Newland completely underestimates May, like, yes. at every turn. And like, I, I think, think we're he... meant to see that, which I think is clever. Yeah. Well, and I think that, like... Newland Archer really likes the idea of, like, shaping women and, like, yeah. teaching them how to be. And well, so I, I think, think that... He, yeah, or go ahead, sorry. Well, I think that, like, with May, I think he's sort of like, oh, there's so much that I can teach you about yeah. books and reading. Gross. And I think with Ellen Olenska, he's like, there's so much I can teach you about, like, life and mm-hmm. rescuing you and American society and, like, how you have to behave. Mm-hmm. And, like, let me tame you and let me save you. Yeah. And I think that – I don't know that Newland Archer loves Ellen Olenska for who she is, mm-hmm. really. Because like, I, I think that she's exciting and she's fun, but I think that he doesn't realize that – I don't know. I just also don't think that she's that interesting. Really? Like, like I think I she's, I think she's like, pretty fun. Like, I think she's fun, but it's, like – I. I'm sort of like, I feel like she's kind of a Serena where I'm like, I don't really get the appeal. She's Other than like, she's, a Serena. she's beautiful. And like, there's like mystery surrounding her. But other than that, I'm like, I mean, okay, whatever. Yeah. 
I mean, I just I just find the scenes with her more fun generally oh, than yeah, the scenes yeah, with yeah. May. That's true. Um, and I think she is just a whimsical character who like does what she wants. Mm-hmm. But I the thing that I just cannot understand is why she would be in love with Newland Archer. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. I guess that, like, what she sort of says in the last scene where they sort of are, like, being honest about their feelings for each other, like, she's, like, you, like, did all of this stuff to, like, yeah. make it so that I could live here. And so she's, like, grateful for that. But that's not a good enough of a reason for me. No. Well, and it's also, like, she's, like, oh, dear May. It's, like, well, you're being a pretty bad cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is for sure poor form to, like, ride into town, like, yeah. full of scandal, and then, like, steal your, like, nice cousin's fiancé. Yes, I would agree. That's pretty messed up. It's not nice. It's not nice. And no. I also just would argue that I think that Ellen knows better, too. Yeah, I think she does, Like, too. I think that, like people keep trying to say like well she's european like she doesn't understand and i'm like i'm pretty sure she understands about stealing somebody's husband (laughs) well and i also think like she was raised in america so it's not like like i think i think ellen alenska likes to claim that she doesn't understand new york society when it's convenient for her but i think she knows what she's doing because it's like she was raised in this society and then she was married to a european so she like spent time in europe so she's kind of straddling those two worlds, but she's like, she's being like one of those annoying people that comes back from study abroad. Like they all of a sudden are like an Italian citizen and they're like, well, in Europe, this is how we lived. And it's like, well, you've lived right. your entire life in America. So I don't think that like, sorry, we're not having dinner at night. Yeah. Like your European sensibilities are that credible now. God, I'm like, my concept of time right now is so effed up. I took the red eye in this morning and I just like looked and saw that it's four o'clock and I'm like still in my robe. (laughs) I had a similar feeling where somehow my clock on my car got like set an hour and a half ahead. And so I think it's because, so I like took my car into the shop while I was home and I think they must've had to turn off my or, like, reset something in my car mm. because all my radio stations, progr- like, all that programming also went away. Mm. But so when I was driving home, I was like, wow, like, I don't understand why it's taken me so long. Because I knew what time I left. And so when I was looking at the clock, I was like, I don't understand what's taking me so long. Like, I've hit a little traffic, but not a significant amount. And I thought it was, like, 9 p.m. when I got home, but it was 7.30 and so, like, when I got out of my car, I, like, looked at my phone, and I was, like, 7.30. And I thought maybe my phone just, like, since I hadn't looked at it in a while, like, hadn't reset itself to the correct mm. time or something. Mm-hmm. And then I got into our apartment, and I was, like, is it only 7.30? And Rachel was, like, yeah, you idiot. Like, how do you not know what time it is? You have a phone. Like, you have all this stuff. And I was, like, wow, um... I'm very disoriented right now because I thought it was very late. I'm definitely feeling disoriented. Um, Oh, speaking of other um, media adaptations of this book, Mm -hmm. um, have you seen the Age of Innocence with, uh, uh, what's her name, Winona Ryder? Oh, no, but that sounds awesome. She plays May. 
She plays May. She is a born Countess Olenska. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer plays Countess no. Olenska. No. No. I'm sorry. That's wrong. <laughs> Winona Ryder is a Countess Olenska. Like, totally. she's, she's, she she's a shoplifting crazy yes. and lover. Like, intoxic, like that crazy Pantene Pro V. Have you seen that one? Where it's like, it shows Winona Ryder. And she's, like, getting ready for this, like, event, and her hair looks lustrous and amazing. Maybe it's not Pantene. Maybe it's a L'Oreal commercial. Whatever. Whoever Winona Ryder is doing hair commercials for, she does, it's like she's getting ready for red carpet, and then it says, it it shows Winona, and it says, everyone deserves a second chance. Oh, my God. Even your hair. And then it shows, like, the hair product that she's using. And it is the most insane commercial I've ever seen in my whole life. And I don't know why Winona agreed to it. They must have paid her a lot of money. I but will definitely look into that. I think Winona just doesn't give a shit. She's I don't just, think like, she does what? either. I love her. She's, yeah. you can just tell, like, she's just, like, a weirdo. Yeah. Especially so when you great. watch her in Stranger Things. You're oh, like, God. whoa. Yeah. Um, Sean, uh, or what's that guy's name? Sean Penn? Uh, definitely not. I was gonna say, Uh, no, he's not a Newland. (laughs) No, um, the man who plays her boyfriend in Stranger Things season two. Sean Astin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Sean Astin just, like, probably was like, no way. Like, I get to make out with Winona Ryder. Like, no one saw this coming. (laughs) Um, no, the guy who plays Newland Archer in the movie is, like, just some, probably, like, did a lot of Shakespeare in his day, <laughs> you know? I'm gonna look it up. He's not, he's not that, he's, like, he's not special. Like an A-lister? That's kind of strange. You would think if they pulled Winona Maybe he Ryder is, and I just don't and know who he is. That's why I'm gonna Google it, because I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like Brad Pitt. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. <laughs> 1993. Here we go. God, I It's Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, is it really? Yes. I thought Daniel Day-Lewis was 100. <laughs> no, he's in his, like, 50s or something. Which I would say, like, seems a little old for Winona Ryder. But... Because it was my conception that, like, May and everything, like, they're supposed to be kind of young. No, I think they're all young. Yeah. Whereas if they were made this in, like, 1993, I don't know. Like, I bet that, like, May is, like, 19. Yeah. And Ellen Olenska is, like, 22. Yeah. That seems right. And Newland Archer is probably, like, 26. Yeah. Okay, so Daniel Day-Lewis was born in 1950. But I don't so that would make him like four years older than my parents so he's 60 so in 1993 he would have been in his 40s I guess I mean he doesn't look that old in it <laughs> yeah this looks like such a 1990 movie that I don't want to see I own it on my iTunes library. 
Oh my god, there's such a scandalous photo of him kissing Michelle Pfeiffer's neck on the back. Yuck. Ew. Yeah, have you ever seen Grease 2? No. Okay, well, that is a movie you should see. Michelle Pfeiffer plays, like, it's, she basically is like the head of the pink ladies. Yes. And, um, this like, it's, it's like sort of reverse where Mm -hmm. it's a man trying to get like the bad girl. Right. And so she basically tells him like, I only want to date a guy who rides a motorcycle. So then he like, is this like adorable Australian man who learns to ride a motorcycle and like becomes this like mysterious rider in the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. There are great songs in it. I mean, it seems like Frenchie is in it again. Oh, perfect. I mean, it definitely seems like something that I, like, with my whole shtick and personality, like, should see. Yeah, I will say I, like, own some of the songs on iTunes, too. <laughs> I like Cool Rider the best. That, I heard, is one of the good songs. From also, Michelle Favor is cool AF in it, too. That's, yeah. Like, she's so, got very good bangs. There's a podcast called How Did This Get Made? And it's like... <laughs> It's um Jason Manzukis and have you ever watched Grace and Frankie? No, but I okay. my sister I'm, does. I'm trying to think of what else she's in that you might Oh, um, you know the gynecologist in New Girl? She's like a friend. She's like yet. the you you have. She's like Jess's lesbian friend. Mm-mm. Okay. Well that girl, um, She's one of the co-hosts, that actress is one of the co-hosts, and also, like, the bald guy from all of those, like, I love the 90s, I love the whatevers, um, he's also one of the co-hosts. And they talk about Grease 2 with their guest, Anna Ferris. and what's funny about it is the girl, in the girl co-host, she, like, grew up like loving Grease 2 and so she like refuses to admit that it's a bad movie or like a guilty pleasure movie she's like no this is genuinely good and it is better than Grease 1 and they're all like no it is not and they're like the cool writer is a genuinely good song and then they're like the other ones she's like yeah the other ones except for and she basically names all the songs Which I was like, I very much relate to that because of my devotion to Dirty Dancing Havana Nights over Dirty Dancing. <laughs> I don't know that Grease 2 is better than Grease 1, but I would say like it holds very up. enjoyable viewing experience. Yes. I think you should watch it. I definitely, next time it's on Freeform, I'll give it a, <laughs> I'll give I, it a gander. You know what? Like, I think I own that in my iTunes movies too. <laughs> I'm going to look. It's probably on Netflix at this point. I, I don't know. Grease 1 is, I'm pretty sure. And oh, like the, well, then maybe it is. And the televised Grease is also on there. I could have sworn that I had it. Oh, yep, I do. There it is. <laughs> God, the, the Australian guy in it is very attractive. That's appealing. Because honestly, like, I never really understood the appeal of John Travolta. Oh, really? I disagree. Really? In Greece? No, he just... No? no? He doesn't do it for me. 
I mean, I frankly have always been more of a Kanicki girl myself, Ugh, but... No! <laughs> he's a scoundrel. I know. Only because he's with Rizzo. I know. <laughs> who's the one I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She just has the best songs. Oh, yeah. Well, and, like, my favorite part of Summer Lovin' is when she says that when they're like, tell me more, tell me more, and he's, she's goes, because she sounds like a drag. And <laughs> <laughs> it was like, just immediately, like, cuts the knees out of the entire song. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kaniki says, did she put up a fight? <laughs> Which is wrong. Well... Yeah, Kaneki also almost gets Rizzo pregnant, so. That movie is inappropriate for children to watch, and I definitely had seen it. I saw it, well, in fairness to Chicago, or to Greece, I also saw Chicago at a way too young age and declared it my favorite movie. Oh my god, I had the Chicago soundtrack. Me too. And, yeah, and I remember vividly doing the, calling him a son of a bitch <laughs> when I'm like eight years old and I remember my mom wincing and then not saying anything <laughs> I used to listen to cell block tango constantly because I was like this song is empowering this song is about women, women telling their husbands and being justified in doing it and then like when we went, we went to New York City for Thanksgiving when I was in sixth grade because my I have cousins that live there, and um, we saw Rachel Lauren and I were like, can we please see a Broadway show? And our parents were like, sure. And we were like, we would like it to be Chicago. I was in the sixth grade, which means that Lauren, who she is two years younger than me, so she was in fourth grade, and Rachel was. It doesn't matter. She was like probably decently old enough but that also meant we'd already been obsessed with the movie for like probably at least a year so I probably yeah. saw it when I was like in fourth or fifth grade and I remember being baffled when Cell Block Tango was played for laughs in the Broadway show and I was mm. like no this this song isn't isn't funny it's about being an empowered woman <laughs> like I didn't understand that like we were, weren't meant to believe that what they were singing was true. It was just right. like, really, these women had killed their husbands and were like making up lies about why it was justified. Right. Um, well, yeah. um, just to bring it back around uh, <laughs> to Gossip Girl. Yes. I saw Chicago with my dad in New York. I don't, I don't know why just the two of us were there, but um, Rufus Humphrey <gasps> played... Uh, Billy Mr. Flynn? Billy Flynn. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. He cannot sing. Oh no. You know As we think? know from his right. Lincoln Hawk performances. <laughs> you know who I think would be a really great Billy Flynn? Who? Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh, I bet he would. And I think I mean I think a big part of that is because like Richard Gere to me is Billy Flynn because that's who's on yeah. my soundtrack. Yeah. Um but also yeah, I just think that he would be, I think he has, like, the right voice for it. I could see that. I think it would be, I think it would be good. Um, but there, I wish I I was still at home, because then I could dig out, like, a very funny photo of me, like, as a little sixth grader in my, like, puffy baby blue jacket 
wearing like some sort of weird, you know, whatever year that was. It would have been like 2003 dress that was like black. And I'm just stretched out across the Chicago sign. And like not real, I'm like mugging to the camera because like all of the pictures outside of the Chicago theater are like these like kind of scandalous photos of like aggressive women. Yeah. And so it's just like me, this like cute as a button sixth grader. My face is a perfect circle. I think I like wore lip gloss that was like dark colored because I was like, I'm going to Chicago. I need to be ready. And it's just like me like sprawled across the sign for Chicago and it just like couldn't look weirder but there are definitely photos of me from seeing it and I have them in a scrapbook but well maybe you should ask your mom to dig those up to feature them on our Instagram (laughs) please find the Chicago photos (laughs) um almost as good as your weird American girl Polaroids yes that are horrifying (laughs) Um, oh, child Audrey. I also saw the woman who plays Lily on Broadway, and she played Amber in Hairspray. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Some <clears throat> Gossip Girl, just some quality Broadway mm-hmm. actors. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it makes sense because they all were in New York. Yeah. Um, Well, I am excited to continue reading The Age of Innocence. Do you want to do a predictions corner? Oh, I yes. read it and I know what happens. So okay. I won't say anything one way or the other. Okay. My prediction is that the affair between Countess Alenska and Newland continues to escalate. And I think they're going to be found out potentially. Um, I think it is possible that either Countess Alenska or May Welland dies. Oh. Because that seems like a very, like, of that time trope. Yeah. Like I, like, I think it's more likely to be Countess Alenska that dies. Or because she may be... She's a bad-behaved woman. Yes. <laughs> and those women always die in yeah, literature. Yeah, they gotta go. And, um, or it's possible that she will, like, go back with her, like, horrible husband. I just wish, I mean, I, I, the, with the horrible husband thing, like, we don't really know what happened, but that almost makes him, like, more scary. Yes. Because I think, like, we can, like, what we're imagining is probably worse than what it actually is. Well, but, like, Countess Olenska is, like, horrified at the idea of going back to him. But at the same time, I'm, like, with her, like, that could also mean, like, he was just, like, pretty, you know, not that nice. I think that there's, I think that they mentioned that he might have had affairs. Oh. Which Maybe. she's about to. Well, and, well, because I think they were like using it and justifying her? her running off with the secretary. Mm. Um. Oh, wait. Um. Who's your favorite and least favorite? Oh, um... I really like that, like, oh, what are their names? That, like, big society couple that Newland Archer's mom goes to visit in order to, like, get them to invite Countess Olenska to, like, a dinner party. Are the ones who never leave their house? Yes. The Van somethings. Is it the Vanderloydens or whatever? Yes. 
Or is like, that who that is? Yeah, the Vanderludens or whatever. Um, I like them. Okay. I like that they're like, Newland Archer describes them as like having become one person. And so they're like, I must discuss this with my husband. But they seem to have like kind of a nice marriage. No, they seem like they're on pretty equal footing. Yes. And he's like, well, I was just reading the paper. I liked, and like, she like doesn't have him come in to the room until he's finished with his paper. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes in, she's like, I hope you finished your reading before coming and talking to these plebeians. Because <laughs> that we did not invite. The New York Times is certainly a more important periodical than these people and their concerns. Yeah. So I do, I really like them. Um, I, of course, really like May Wellen's grandmother. Oh, yeah. The obese woman. Yeah. Is that Miss uh, Grandma Mingot? Is that Yes. Her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, since this is my first time through this book, um, I only really know Newland and Countess Olenska and uh, May's names. Um, everyone else, I'm like, yep, that one person. You know who I think Nate plays in The Age of Innocence is who? Beaufort. Oh, no! That's I, wrong! I'm pretty sure. I could definitely see if Dan is Like, that should have been Chuck. Be... Yes. I think Chuck just probably refused to be in the play. I think he did refuse to be in the play. <laughs> he was like, this is stupid. Um, I think, I like, I understand why Dan would be cast as Newland Archer because... I think they were like, Nate might not be able to memorize the lines. Yeah. Well, and also it's like, Newland has this sister who's like kind of cute and plucky. Um that could Ugh. be like a Jenny Humphrey before she goes bad. But also it's like Newland Archer, Nate Archibald. Yeah. Like, no, I think that was on purpose. Well, and Dan's poor. Let's not forget. Yeah. He lives in a enormous loft in Brooklyn. So he's poor. Yes. Um, my favorite is Sillerton Jackson. Who is that? Who's, he is the like really gossipy man <gasps> who yes. like, comes to their house. I love him. And like, wishes Newland would leave because he can't be like as gossipy as he wants with the women (laughs) yes I really like him I also really like the mom and that she's like I she is kind of like a lily bass figure where it's like she's kind of boring but then also like she's like how dare you lily bass is like probably my number one well like in the first season it's like she's very uppity but then it's like you also see that like she's got some like down low things going on which I, mean, I feel like throughout the series, you just find out like all the stuff about her past. Yeah. And you're true. like, whoa, Lil. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, why did you marry a cokehead for seven months? Yeah. No good. Yeah. But I feel like um, I wish the book was told from Sillerton Jackson's perspective. Yes. Well, that, that I think, too, like, I would prefer, like, the book to be told from either May Wellen's perspective or Countess Olenska's perspective. Because it's, like, Newland is, like, a little bit boring and, like, kind of an eye roll. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why you'd probably like House of Mirth better is because Lily Bart is her name, which I think is also, like, why Lily marries Bart in yes. House of Girl. Like, I think that's a connection. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, that the one who wrote Gossip Girl was definitely influenced by Edith Wharton. <laughs> well, and I think the um that storyline actually makes sense more with her and Rufus, where it's like she couldn't marry mm-hmm. him. She had to marry like the horrible person, whatever. 
Um, I don't know what I was talking about anymore. Lily Bart, House of Mirth. That I would like it more because it's oh, because like she also was like she's a little bit like Ellen Alensko, where like she just kind of does what she wants and like doesn't really care what people think. Nice. Um, and I think that her family like came from money, but like they don't have any more money. Mm. Maybe like there's something like that. But um, it's more fun having it from her perspective than it would mm-hmm. be from the guy that she's into, whose name I can't remember right now. Well, and I think in situating it from Newland Archer's perspective, it, like, it doesn't allow us to fully empathize with either, with really any of the characters. Because it's like what Newland is doing is wrong. And you can kind of see through his like trying to make up for it. By like, yeah. oh, I'm going to move along my marriage to May. And, like, we're not really able to fully get on May's team because it's, like, we're just not given enough information. And and then we're not really on Countess Alenska's side either because it's, like, we don't know enough about her situation or her psychology to really see this as more than, like, oh, he's being nice to me, so, like, I'll, I'll make out with him. That seems good. Whereas, well, I guess, like... I, I guess, like, also if you... Like, we don't know how afraid she actually is. It's, like, is she, like, yeah. a battered woman who's, right. like, fleed and, like, is just, like, looking for, like, something to hold on to? Mm-hmm. Or is, like, she more calculated than that? Right. So it's, like, it's definitely an interesting move to put this on Newland Archer or, like, to focus the book around Newland because then it's, like, it's not clear that we're supposed to be on Countess Olenska's side. Yeah. So. I don't know that there is, like, a side to be on. Right, exactly. Um, it's just kind of like, this is what's going on. Yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see if your uh, predictions come true next week. <laughs> and I'm very excited to watch this Gossip Girl episode and probably I'm s- retweet it. I'm so or excited. live tweet it. Yes, whatever. precisely. Um, it, happen- it happens in season two, right? I'm pretty sure. Yes, it definitely does because they're still in high school and it's not in season one. Yes, they're definitely in high school. It's when Dan is having the affair with the teacher. Yes. God, what a delight. The teacher that's like trying to give Blair a hard time by giving Yeah, and Blair gets her fired. Yes. (laughs) But it's like Blair's not wrong. No. It's It's like, yeah, Blair did bully her, but like that's just part of the game. (laughs) Like, who cares? Season two of Gossip Girl is some of my favorite television ever. That show, like, I think is probably, like, Blair Waldorf is my number one favorite character (laughs) of all time, which is why my wedding look was 100% inspired by her. And, I mean, you succeeded. (laughs) Thank you. It was great. Thank you. Her her first wedding to the prince guy. Yes, the first wedding, not not the blue dress wedding. wedding. Not her one in Central Park, so they can't testify against each other for something. For Bart's murder. Which they didn't really do. No, they just didn't try to stop him from falling off a building. I mean... (laughs) What a a storyline Bart had. They should have kept him dead. I don't know what those writers were doing in seasons, like, four and a half through six, but I know it was nothing good. 
Well, because at that point, too, like, she had married Rufus and then was like, well, technically, like, I'm still married to Bart, so I'm going to go back to that. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) That made you deeply unhappy. This makes no sense at all. I know. I don't, like, like, for me, I, like, I feel like we can spoil how, like, Gossip Girl ends. Yeah. Because who the F cares at this point? It's been 100 years. You should have watched it by now. Mm -hmm. But the way that things end up. Like, Lily and Rufus should have been together. Yes. Like, I don't really care if Dan and Serena ended up together. I never Frankly, wanted them together. I think um, Serena and Nate should yes. be together. Yes. Thank you. And I think Dan should be alone. Yeah. And then Blair and Chuck, obviously. But it's like Nate is the one who ends up alone. It's like, what? And, like, again. Nate is the one who has probably the most girlfriends of all over the whole period yeah. of the show. Well, he that's usually because they're monogamous. trying to use them, use him to, for trickery. And he's Mostly, the easiest yeah. mark. Every single time, he's an easy mark. <laughs> Every bad girl in Gossip Girl infiltrates her way into the group by dating <laughs> Nate. <laughs> and they all have auburn hair. Yes. Because I think he dates Ivy, Juliet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that um, politician's daughter. Yep. There's more of them. He probably dates Poppy Lipton. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> that Army, who Army Hammer later dates in the show. Oh, uh, Army. God, Humble beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> he displayed a humble con artist in exactly. Gossip Girl who steals Dan's college education. <laughs> Because where was Dan supposed to go? And then they can't afford it? Supposed to go to Yale, I think. I think you're right. But they're like, no, we need them all in New York. Yes. <laughs> so, like, the bougie ones go to Columbia. The mm-hmm. poors go Only to Only Nate goes to Columbia, which makes no sense. <laughs> and Nate- wasn't he supposed to be going to Dartmouth? Yes, in season one, but then I think it's like he's supposed to, um, But then his dad gets arrested and he does what he wants. Right, but then the Vanderbilts want to convince Nate to go to Yale. And they succeed. No, he, he doesn't go. He goes to Columbia because he's like, oh, I right, applied right, right, without right, right, like, right. my grandfather's help. And it's like, how would you have ever gotten into Columbia without help? Nate just like smoked pot all day with Chuck and yeah. never did school. No, and then like I can see like Chuck, I'm certain bought his grades, but he doesn't but go to he college. doesn't go to college. <laughs> he doesn't even try. No, he just he <laughs> inherits an empire, and he's like, why would I do college when I already have a business? <laughs> God, I love him. And so then much. Nate is given an entire media empire before he's finished with college. Oh, yeah, he runs that newspaper. Mm-hmm. The Spectator. Oh, he also sleeps with Chuck's biological mom. Elizabeth That's Early. the other one. <laughs> Diana. <laughs> Played by that hot British woman. Elizabeth Hurley. Yes. Who Hugh Grant was briefly married to before cheating on her with prostitutes. Oh, Hugh Grant, you beloved <laughs> scoundrel. No. Not at all. He's the worst. Uh, I never watched the Bridget Jones movie. It's good. I, I should. Like it. In all my, in all my spare time that I have. <laughs> in your robe. Is in my robe. Maybe that's what I'll do this it. afternoon. <laughs> watch Grease 2 and. Yeah. 
the mm. other movie I just mentioned. Bridget Jones. Yes. I'm tired. <laughs> well, I will let you continue yeah. to nurse your jet lag. Thank you. Um, All right. Well, well, we will see you next time, loyal listeners and viewers. Don't forget that we are now available on Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify. So you have no reason not to be keeping up with the podcast at this point. Mary, so Kirsten, Mary Kate was like, I hear you're on Spotify from the most dramatic Instagram story I've ever seen. <laughs> Listen, Mary Kate, I'm just trying to give the people what they want. Which they is expect. for us to be on Spotify. Yeah. I also have way too much fun sometimes making our Instagram stories. I think you're a better Instagram storyer than me. I don't know. You're more creative. You've created some good ones. Well, I'm good at face and hole, but that's about it. <laughs> I showed off that face and hole that you made of me and Idris Elba to my mom. And like she was like, oh, this is nice. And I'm like, no, but look, it looks like I'm standing next to him. <laughs> you're like, why don't you print it out and put it on the fridge? Right. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Loyal listeners. All right. Bye. Bye.